morning. If you're able, please stand up for the reading of God's works. We're our second week in James, and we'll be in James chapter 1, verse 2. So we can turn there, James chapter 1, verse 2. The title for today's message is Enduring Trials Brings Spiritual Maturity. So God's word says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, um, to just give us um, understanding, Lord, in the midst of our trials, Lord, that we may have joy, Lord, that we may count it joy, Lord. I know many of us have gone through trials, are going through trials, will go through trials, Lord. And let us, Lord, know that it is to bring up our maturity. Let us know that you love and care for each one of us individually, Lord, and you do not take um, joy in the midst of our suffering and our pain, Lord, but yet you love us and you know that that's going to work for our good, Lord, because we love you, Lord. And you're doing a work in each one of our lives, Lord, and to make us more like Christ, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that today's message, you would guide my words, Lord, that it would uh, reflect your word, Lord, and that you would speak to each one of us, Lord, um, and encourage us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me see So writing to refugees who have suffered the loss of their homes and homeland, plus many of their possessions who are being persecuted in the places that they have sought refuge, James says, uh, when we encounter trials, we should count it as joy, submitting to God, knowing that He is using it for our maturity. None of us, um, you know, can say that we take pleasure in the midst of our trials, but there's a purpose for trials, and there's a purpose that God is doing in our lives when we're going through them. So, uh, Ken Hugs, he's uh, he he wrote on James, uh, faith that works. He says that um. The images of the original reader's response, it says, How nice, a letter, a letter of encouragement from Pastor Wacko. Because it sounds like, it sounds, don't worry, be happy. That's what some people think of when they read that. You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense. We may hesitate to call James uh, Pastor Wacko, but we might question whether his advice is practical and realistic when we're going through terrible trials. It may work for the little irritations that we may encounter that we encounter every day because we go through those. But is it realistic advice for facing the huge trials that hit us? Is it realistic advice? Is James being realistic? Is he being real? Before we write off James as a masochistic weirdo, we should recall that two other New Testament writers said similar things. Peter, the Apostle Peter, wrote to suffering believers whose faith was being tested by fire. He told them, To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. And that's in Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, if you want to write and check that uh, passage. It's also in verse 1 and 8 in 1 Peter. The Apostle Paul's another one. We just went through the book of Colossians. And where was the Apostle Paul writing from? Prison. Would you say that's a trial right there? Yes, sir. Yes, right? So the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. If you guys want to go. You guys want to open up Romans chapter 5, verse 3? Romans 
it says, if we're there, are we there? Yeah. It said, not only that, not only that we, that not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So, not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance. That's a different translation than the ESV, but he wrote Philippians from prison, and the theme of that letter is joy in Christ. He gave that impractical command, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, and that's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, and also in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Not only that, but Paul practiced what he preached. As he sat in the Philippian jail, jail cell, unjustly arrested and beaten, unable to sleep, he and Silas sang praises at midnight. In Acts, if we read Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And so if we write off James as being a bit out of touch with reality, we also have to write off Peter and Paul. The alternative is to consider that perhaps these godly men were onto something, right? Consider three things, and this is what we're going to touch on today's message, is we should adopt a radical attitude towards trials. Consider all joy. We should understand a reassuring truth in trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And three, we should submit to the refining process in trials. Let endurance have its perfect result. So let's start off with the certainty of trials, because it is a certain thing that either you have gone through trials, you are going through trials, or you will go through trials as a Christian. He begins saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. It is significant that he says when, he says when you encounter various trials, for there is no question that you are going to face them. It is not if, but when. We really need to get into the mindset of expecting that we are going to have trials. Unfortunately, many of us have gone into the bad habit of thinking that the goal of life is to go along without any difficulties or obstacles. We need to ditch that kind of immature and unrealistic thinking. We were, where did we get that idea? A lot of people have that idea that... Um, that, 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 that that we, don't, that we don't have to have trial, that, you know, we didn't get it from the Word of God. That for sure didn't come from the Word of God. God never promised us that all will be smooth sailing. And when we evangelize, and we talk to people who are, who, you know, who are even new believers in Christ, we don't tell them that everything's going to be, you know, flowers and things are going to go well from here forward. We got to be real with them. It will not be a smooth sailing. In fact, what Jesus did promise is that in this world, you will have tribulation. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, which we uh, looked at, touched on, says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fury ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange, a strange thing were happening to you. He says, don't be surprised. But are we? Or aren't we? We always seem surprised when something hard or painful or difficult happens to us. Does that not happen to us? Why is this happening to us? Why did this God allow this to happen to us? You had a trial? 
Oh, really? What a shocker. No one says that to you guys when you have a child? <laughs> oh, what a shocker. Of course he did. That is what happens in this world that we live in. It would be like a young man, so think about it. It would be like a young man going out for football for every for the very first time. So think about it. For the first time in August or this August. And going out to the practice field for, this, for his initial practice and getting knocked down by one of, one of the other players. What if he came running back to you, to you on the sideline crying, he knocked me down. You'd say, son, that's what happens out here. You had better expect that in football. Getting hit in football should not be a surprise. It's a contact sport, right? Call it a man sport, that's what they call it. Many of us need to learn the same thing about life. Getting hit is going to happen in this life. We're going to get hit, and we're going to get hurt. This world is not heaven. The sooner we realize that, the better off we will be. This is not the place of perfect rest and perfect health and perfect circumstances. This is not where you get your best life now, as some preachers in big churches will tell you. Don't let them lie to you. Don't let them deceive you. This is not that place. Do not be surprised when you have, had, when you have trials here on earth. That is what is supposed to happen here. It is not a matter if, James says, it is a matter of when. Because you will go through trials. Raise your hand if you've gone through any trials. Uh, everybody, I think 10 out of 10. Perfect. Everybody's gone through a trial. Now, these inevitable trials are of different kinds, as James says, of different kinds. James calls them various trials. Some are of one kind, some are of our another. Some are financial, some are fi- family-related, some are of the heart, some are of the senses, some are related to persecution. You may have some, and I may have others, but we each have some of these various trials. We should all prepare ourselves for them and expect them. So we got to be prepared and we got to know, be expected that they're going to come or that they have come. The Jewish wisdom writer Sirach wrote, My son, when thou comest to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. Set thy heart aright and endure firmly and, and be not fearful in the time of calamity. Accept whatsoever is brought upon thee, and be patient in disease and poverty. For gold is proved in the fire, and men are proved acceptable to God in the furnace of affliction. That comes from Sirach. Words like those should be shared with every Christian when they make a commitment to Christ. Your faith will be tested in the furnace of affliction. To see if it is real, watch for it, expect it. Don't act like some strange thing is coming upon you. As Peter said, you will be tested, trials are a certainty. So we should just know that they're going to happen. So what is our response to these trials? What do we do? What do we say? How do we react? If our trials are certain, one might say, okay then, let's just grin and bear it. Let's just grin and bear it. Let's just, let's get this over with. That might be the world's attitude towards trials. 
summed up in, in, a, in a word, they might say something like, trials are necessary, but bad. That's what the world would say. Trials are necessary, but they're bad. James says that it is not the attitude of the follower of Jesus towards trials. That shouldn't be our attitude as believers. As, is, as, in, so, as in so in many things, our attitude is to be exactly <clears throat> the opposite of, these, of the world's. So he says we are to count it joy instead. Count it joy instead. And this theme of rejoicing in trials is found repeatedly in the Word of God. So let's turn to, uh, we, we turn to, uh, we already read that, I'll read Romans 5, 3, but if you guys want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, and I'll read, uh, I'll reread Romans chapter 5, verse 3. But you guys turn to 1 Peter 1, 6. Romans says, We also exult in our tri- tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. So if we're in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6, are we there? It says, In this you greatly rejoice, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little time, or a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, in honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Another one, an Old Testament passage, Psalm chapter 4, verse 7. We want to turn to Psalm chapter 4, verse 7. It says, if we're there yet, it says, you have put gladness in my heart more than when the, their grain and new wine abound. The word rejoices when, the world rejoices, so the world rejoices when they have plenty of grain and wine. In other words, when circumstances are good. But the Bible says that the Christian can rejoice even in what people would call bad circumstances of trials and difficulties. Now that is not a call for us to engage in some kind of mentally imbalanced masochism in which we try to make ourselves happy to suffer. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what James is saying. Rather, it is a response of faith. He says, consider it all joy. These words consider here means that it is a response of faith. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. We aren't denying that. But by faith, we choose to believe that there is something good behind it. That's what James is telling us. Now let me make a point here, right here. James says that count it all joy, my brothers. He is speaking to people who are committed followers of Jesus Christ. It is only that person who can know that God is doing something profitable in their trials. People are often found quoting Romans 8 to 8. Have you guys, you guys, we've all are familiar with Romans 8 28, right? It says that God causes all things to work together for our good. But they ignore the rest of the verse. It continues on. To those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? You must know, you must know for sure that you are a true follower of, Jesus, of Christ. For this to be true of you. 
Because it's not for everybody. So right now, let me ask you, do you know that? Have you ever realized that your sins are evidence that you, are, that you have rebelled against the Lordship of God in your life? And that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins? So that, you may, so that you might turn back from your sins and obey God by following Him. Has that ever happened to you? If not, that is the first thing that you need to do today. In case someone, even I believe everybody here might, is a believer, but in case somebody listens to this uh, or might be on Facebook Live listening to it. Um, has this ever happened to you? If not, that is the first thing that you need to do today. Confess your disobedience to God. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and commit to following Jesus as your Lord and God. Once you know that you belong to Him, then you can know <clears throat> that He is using everything that happens in your life for His good purposes so that you can have joy even in your trials. Because it's for the believer. So what's God's purpose for our trials? What's God, what's God doing with that? Well, what are God's purpose for our trials? James was writing to Jewish Christians as um, Brother Gerardo was giving an introduction last week on James. Many of who have grown up with the traditional Jewish outlook on suffering, that it is caused by one sin and therefore you, that therefore you will suffer. If you suffer, there is shame and regret on it. And a lot of people think that, that if you're going through suffering, your trials or tribulations, it's got to be some sin in your life. That's what even Job's friends were telling Job when he was going through suffering in the Old Testament, the story of Job. If they would say that God's purpose in our suffering is to punish us for what we have done, now we must admit that there is, that there is some suffering, there are some suffering in which we, are, we bring upon ourselves. But we can't discount that so that, so that, so that there's definitely, there are sufferings that we bring upon ourselves, no doubt. Some of you may be suffering today and there is no mystery about the cause of it. You are very well aware of it. The sin or the foolish choices you made that, you have, brought that, that have brought you where you are. So there are some times that we do things and then suffering comes upon us, right? But not all the time. That's not all the time. The Bible also makes it, <clears throat> makes it clear that not all suffering is a result of our personal sin. In John chapter 9, the disciples asked Jesus who had sinned. Who had sinned? John chapter 9. Who had sinned? This man or his parents? That he would be born blind. And we just read this uh, uh, right now. We were just saying a song about the blind. Uh, and Jesus answered, Neither. Not all suffering is a result of sin. James says here that as a Christian, you are to have a different perspective on trials. Because you believe that if God allows it, because he has, he has a good purpose for it. So for one, they test, they test the genuineness of our faith. We should understand a reassuring truth in trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James calls it here the testing of your faith. Our faith must be tested. We have said many times that not everything, not everyone who claims to be to have saving faith in Jesus really does. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said, right? Many make professions of saving faith, but very few have a possession of saving faith. There is a, a sifting process which must, must take place to sort out those who truly believe. And that sifting takes place through the fire of trials. 
This is what we see in the Word of God. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, 12. And then um, we're going to go 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. And we're, we're, I think we've read these, but let's keep on, um, just let's, let's definitely remember that Peter's talking to people who are, um, who are suffering. First Peter chapter um, 4, 12. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fury ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. You guys should underline that. For your testing or highlight it. And then if you want to go a little bit back to 1st chapter 1 and 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith, underline that, the proof of your faith or highlight it. Being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter, who was writing to another group of Christians who were experiencing trials, made it clear that the trials we are, we were, were like a fire. We're like, think about a fire, hot, burning, which tested their faith to reveal whether it was genuine. We need to understand that trials are a very necessary process for demonstrating the reality of our faith. You may, be know, you, may be, you may know someone who is going through this very thing right now. You guys might be, have family, friends, people you know who are going through this right now. They're going, they are really going through the fire and you feel sorry for them. Don't we feel bad when people are going through suffering, pain, trials? And, you wish, and they wish that they didn't have to go through this, but they have to. If you're a Christian, you have to. You cannot pray for them to avoid this. The faith of every believer must be tested in the fire. And the same thing is true for you and for me, for all of us. Our faith is to be tested by the trials we face. To show whether it is genuine or it's not. Suffering as a way of laying bare what you really believe. You don't play little religious games when you are suffering. If your faith isn't real, it goes out the window when death, difficulties come. Like Job, like Job, when he said, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's how our attitude should be as Christians. But my faith has been tested in this fire, and some of you may be in the same place right now. Maybe you're going, I don't know, maybe we're going through some trials, each one of us. God is letting you go through the fire of testing to prove that your faith is real. And that is a good thing. The second thing, there is a second purpose we see in this text. Our trials help us mature and they grow us. So James says, the testing of your faith produces endurance. Or some translators say steadfastness. And let endurance or steadfastness have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word endurance is the, in the Greek word hupomene. Hupomene is the meaning under, hupo is under, and meno is meaning to abide. So in this picture, it's a picture of someone abiding under. 
persevering underneath a heavy load. Think about that picture. But James says that the endurance or the steadfastness which we build under trials is not an end. It is a means to that end. He says, let endurance have, the, have its perfect results that, which is a purpose word, that you may be perfect and complete. God's goal for our trials, James says here, is that they will help us become perfect and complete. Now, the word perfect here does not mean what we often think of with the word perfection. It's not that same word, perfection. It's the Greek word for teleos, which means mature. It is used of a plant which has sown up to bear fruit, or an animal which is fully grown. So he is not saying that trials are going to make us perfect. They are going to make us mature. They are go they're going to grow us. They're going to mature us in our faith. This is God's goal for us to grow us spiritually mature. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 that the goal of the church ministry is to grow a to, to grow to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. God's goal is that for us to grow to be like Christ in spiritual maturity. And um, but how do we get there? How do we get there? Through enduring trials. Our trials are a vital part of our growth process. We as Christians need to be um, understand that God's goal for us is not that. So think about listen to this. We as Christians need to understand that God's goal for us is not for us to be fat and happy. God's goal for us is not to be fat and happy. If many of us were honest, we would just say that the goal of life is to be happy. If you ask people around, what's the goal of life? Well, just to be happy, just to enjoy life. Um, and for nothing bad to happen, and for everything just to go smoothly and well without any problems. But I've got to tell you, that is not God's goal for your life and for my life. God's goal for you is to become spiritually mature, to become like Jesus. And He knows very well that you are not going to do that if you never face trials. So far from seeing our difficulties as bad, we should see them as part of God's growth process in our lives or for our lives. This takes getting a whole different mindset. We tend to think that things are hard, are bad, but instead we need to think of them like weightlifting. Who's gone to the gym, done weights? Lifting weights is hard. I think it's hard. That's why not many of us go, because it's hard work to lift weights. <laughs> But hey, I go to the gym sometimes, sometimes I just skip the, the weights, I just go do my cardio, and then go in the steam room, and you know, just relax in the hot tub, swim a little bit, you know? I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, but, so you know, I'll lift weights here and there. Um, it builds your muscles, and that is what God's purpose is for our trials. It builds our spiritual muscles, and makes us more like Christ. I mean, I'm, I'm, if you're honest, if you meet the people in your life who've gone through trials, you would think, man, they're really mature people. They're, they're people who I can, they can speak to my life, you know, when I'm going through things. There is a story which illustrates this truth. It's called the cocoon. A man, a man found a cocoon of a butterfly. So you know that a cocoon and it comes out of a butterfly, a worm and it comes out in there and becomes a cocoon and a butterfly. One day, a small opening appeared. He sat and watched the butterfly for several hours as, if, as it struggled to force its body through the little, the little hole. Then it seemed to stop making any progress. It appeared as if it had gone as far as it could, and it could go no further. 
The man decided to help the butterfly, so he took a pair of scissors and snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon. The butterfly then emerged easily, but it had a swollen body and a small shriveled, shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the butterfly because he expected that at any moment the wings would just enlarge and expand to be able to support the whole body, or the body, which would contract in time. Neither happened. The butterfly spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and, a sh and shriveled wings. It never was able to fly. What the man in his kindness and haste did not understand was that the, restrict the restricting of the cocoon and the struggle required for the butterfly to get through the tiny opening were God's way of forcing fluid from the body of the butterfly into its wings so that it would be able to it would be ready to fly for flight once it achieved its freedom from the cocoon. Without the struggle, that butterfly would never grow to maturity and fly. And God knows that the same thing is true for you and for me. He uses our struggles to mature us and to make us stronger. I personally know, and I think you guys can always attest to this, that it is, it is, our, it is our own testimony that, um, one, there are lessons that I would have never learned had I not suffered. There are studies I would never have made had I not suffered. There are scriptures that I would never come and would have never come to alive had I not suffered. There are prayers that I would have never prayed had I not suffered. There is confession that I would never have, have been made had I not suffered. There are sermons that I would have never that I, that I, have, I would not be able to preach. The same, the same way, had I not suffered. There are ministries that I have, would never have had, had I not suffered. There are people who, have, who have, would never have been blessed, had I not suffered. There is a maturity that would have never had come, had I not suffered. There is praise that I would have never been given to God, had I not suffered. And I'm certain the same thing would be true to you. God is using your suffering and trials to grow you, to mature you, and to make you more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the third thing, which is uh, the main thing, the important thing, is they glorify God. Another reason why we can count it all joy when we experience trials and, is that we can do it for the glory of God. Many people regard an absence of suffering as a sign of God's blessing upon a person. Sometimes we're, oh, brother, how are you doing? Oh, everything is great, everything's fine. And yeah, for that season, it could be, you know, things will be good. But there, I always call it like a hill and in a valley. There's always hills and valleys. Um, so if you're in a hill, you're eventually going to go through the valley and go through suffering and trials. But that is not necessarily what we see in Scripture. Job you guys know the story of Job was one of God's most choice servants, and it was actually because of that that he would that he was that God allowed him the privilege to suffer of suffering to honor him before the watching angels. Job, that's an Old Testament. We see a lot of even Joseph. He was thrown in the pit by his brothers, and he suffered, and God used it for his good and for the good of his people. So God, um, so God uses. It for his glory. Uh, I think about who is the most person who's the person who suffered the most? Our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
God allowed the one person he loved the most to suffer the most. And he will do the same with us. He will allow us to suffer that he might be glorified in us. And it is a privilege when he does. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. Look at what Paul is saying to the Philippians. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. If God wills it, this can be our privilege too. To glorify him in our illness, our trials, our persecutions, our hardships, to declare to the world that, and, and to the watching angelic powers that our God is worthy. Though the way, through the way we endure our trials. Mark Denver, he's a pastor in Washington, D.C., said in his sermon on James chapter 1, that though we can sing at the top of our lungs for a hundred million years in heaven, we won't have this privilege there to demonstrate in our trials here on earth that our God is sufficient. We have the privilege of glorifying God in our trials. I think that's amazing. So we can rejoice in our trials because we have an opportunity to demonstrate that our faith is genuine. Because it gives us an opportunity to grow spiritually and most of all to glorify our God. Because everything should be to glorify his, our God. And we know God is sovereign. We know that God is in control of all things. Nothing happens. A leaf doesn't fall without Him knowing. He knows the hairs in our head. You know, when we, He supplies all our needs that we need. I mean, the breath that we breathe, that oxygen comes from God. So, everything should glorify our God. So there's a poem titled, I Walked a Mile with Pleasure. And it says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and near a word he said, said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrows walked with me. God has purpose that we will learn much from our sorrows and our trials about ourselves and about Him. Don't you, when you go into trials, you learn things about you. It causes you to pray more. It causes you to look up Scripture and memorize it and meditate on it. And I mean, when I remember when I was going through some trials in my life, I would be reading the Word, and what does God's Word say about suffering? What does God's Word say about trials? What is God's Word? What is God? Because ultimately, God's Word is speaking to us. So I want to hear God's voice, so I go to the Word. And I want to hear what God has to say regarding my situation that I'm going through. And it causes us to seek the Lord when we're going through trials. We go to church, we go to community group, we ask for prayer. We're, you know, we're, I mean, sometimes it's a blessing to go through trials because we're seeking God even more. Because as, as Christians, that's what we're... It should press suffering and trials should press us closer to God, not further away from God. So, 
And then we learn about God's character. We know that He's sovereign. We know that He's um, He's He's the loving God. We know that He's a pa- you know He's patient. We know that He um, that He cares for each one of us and He loves us. So your trials, as difficult as they may be, are not bad, and they are never wasted. If you know that you belong to the Lord, and if you will seek to learn and to glorify Him through it. So I hope that you guys are encouraged. I hope that you guys um, just think about the trials that you've gone through and how they have grown you, how they've matured you, how you've, um, you're not the same person you were before the trial, before the suffering. And whatever you know, we're going through, let's let it glorify God because ultimately God is glorified in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our hardships. So let's pray that God would help us through this. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we ask you, Lord, to help us, Lord. Um, even so, though some of my brothers or sisters here, Lord, this morning are going through some trials, Lord, and um, whether it's sickness, whether it's um, the death of a loved one, whether it's um, financial things, Lord, whether it's losing a job, Lord, whether it's um, relationships they have, Lord, with their children, with their marriages, with their work, Lord, their family, Lord. Lord, you know, Lord, what we're going through as a church, Lord, and each one of us, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that... Um, you would help us, Lord, to put our eyes upon you, Lord, and that we would, Lord, not look upon our circumstances, Lord, but that we may um, use, our, use it to glorify you, Lord, use it to mature, use it, Lord, to be more like Christ, Lord, that we would reflect your Son, Jesus Christ, and let us count it all joy, Lord, in the midst of our trials, Lord. Let us be a testimony to the world, to the angels, and to everyone, Lord, that we could have joy in the midst of our trials and our sufferings, Lord that you are sovereign in control of all things, and that you love each one of us, Lord, and that you do not take uh, pleasure in the midst of our suffering and pain, Lord, but that you have a purpose for it, Lord. So um, be with us, Lord, the rest of this week, Lord, and help us, Lord, um, in the, when we go through trials, Lord, to cling to you, Lord, to the gospel, to the cross, Lord, knowing that the perfect one, Jesus Christ, suffered more than any one of us for our sins on the cross, Lord, and that you um, had a purpose for it to save us, Lord, through it, Lord. So... We give you thanks, Lord, and we pray all this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.